search. Each man different, living his own way, searching, discovering numero uno. Welcome, BBCers, to episode number 90 of the Broken by Concept podcast, the number one solo queue podcast in the entire world. Solo queue, we love it here. And we've got some news. We have some solo queue news. This is, you know, you know. I feel like a reporter here. We're going to be reporters here, okay? Yep. That's okay. News channel. Riot Games have communicated to us their plans, the way they're viewing solo queue to us. They released a post uh, three days ago. We'll have the, we'll chuck the link in the YouTube description for those that okay. want to see it. Because I just want to highlight just a couple of things that I think are relevant to our community and you know, more talking about, you know, improvement and, you know, focusing more on the higher end of solo queue and people that take that seriously. The title of this post is The State of Competitive Spring 2022. And the subheading is a look at the state of competitive today and thoughts on its future. With the 2022 seasons of both ranks and clash underway, we wanted to take some time to talk about the state of competitive play as we see it today. Goals. As with every season, we like to continually review our goals and evaluate how we're tracking towards them. Specifically for competitive play, and when they say competitive play, they're talking about they're, solo queue. they're talking about the the competitive aspect of the League of Legends game, not esports. That's right? correct. Competitive integrity. Players have an even playing field in their competitive matches. So these are these are the things. These are the key themes they want. So they want to make sure that there's competitive integrity there in the solo queue. Progression opportunities, players have meaningful goals to reach for, and team or organized play. Players are aware of and can participate in opportunities to play with others of similar intent and skill. We evaluate these goals by reviewing player sentiment and other metrics such as match availability, quality. Uh, So match availability, so they look at the queue times, they look at the quality, are the matches competitive and fair, you know, that's going into the matchmaking system, and whether or not matches are compelling to to participate in, are they satisfying, do they deliver on player intent, and do they offer a sense of progression. Ultimately, we want to bring everyone to competitive game filled with opportunities that match their individual intent and expectations. So... Um, they talk about some things about revival MMR, not much in that. That's basically TLDR on that one. That's talking about, uh, when people start their placements, apparently it was really, uh, for old accounts, it was really weird MMR right. and stuff. Okay. We you know getting back, uh, they want to introduce this new challenges thing, which is, uh, like I think extra goals of like, you know how you have like the like champ the- mastery and stuff like that. Okay. The mastery level and stuff. So nothing that we're really too concerned about. No. So here's the one. Here's the one we want to touch on. So then they did a little post talking about, you know, a subheading here. Ranked Q health and the pre-made problem. So from a high level viewpoint, I love that language. From a high level, Mm. you know, know, zoom in out as we talk about. Solo Q slash, solo slash duo Q, so just the normal ranked, is currently in one of the healthiest states we've ever seen. Autofill is at its lowest ever ever global rate, hovering between 0.5% and 3% of players' games. So of all the games in, in, in League, 0.5%, between 05 and 3% games, there's players that at least one person's autofilled. Is that, do I understand that correctly? 
I believe so. That's that's a bit of a it's a bit of a because that's obviously skewed for high. Yeah, yield, that's it? a very. I don't like that stat. Yeah, because it's too general, isn't it? It's yeah. a, I mean, again, that's what their their point was. Right? Zooming out of the zoom bigger picture, yeah. but you know, I it's guess it makes it's ever sense. Been. So that's, that's good. That's a positive, though. Yep. Net positive. Queue times are at a two-year low in many large regions and hovering firm or in our small regions. Uh, lastly, uh, MMR accuracy is strong when 99% of players are playing with those within a maximum of two divisions of their rank with a steady win prediction accuracy to back it up. Anything to comment on that one? Queue times, Curtis? Apparently the lowest that's ever been over, over yeah. the average. I wouldn't say they're pretty... I think they're pretty normal. What the, what well, it says be? in large regions, but they're saying about firm. It's about average, just normal. In it's the smaller, smaller regions. regions. Yeah, I would agree same. with that. And I don't think it's uh, any bigger or larger. Or, I think it's, it's pretty similar same. to what it has always, always been. been. Yeah. Which in, is, yeah, I mean, that's good. Yeah. Uh, that said, we do see issues with solo slash Joku that consistently point to our accommodation of pre-made duos. This directly adds quality and population volatility into the matchmaking mix. It causes games with duos of imbalanced MMR to impact our order field slash secondary roll rates. Sometimes double the chances. Q times, a 10 second increase to players per game on average and most importantly game quality metrics. Upwards of a 10% win rate spreading both directions. So that's not just saying that duo queues they're finding, they win more, but they also lose more as well. So that's interesting. Uh, on the flip side, we've started to see a significant decline in the health of ranked flex queue. That's whatever. We don't really talk about no, flex No, I think here. we should talk about flex You want to talk about yeah, flex? Yeah, no, I think we should. Okay. I actually saw a little uh, a comment about flex queue saying um, something about complaining about the quality of flex queue. Because um, I think flex queue is actually very important to have. Okay. Because think about it, flex queue is the ranked fives. Remember back it in the day, there was ranked fives. fives I right? don't view it like that though. For some but reason, no, but the the way I view what flex queue yeah. should be yeah. is it should be the alternative to duo queue, solo queue, duo queue. So like, there should be solo. Yeah. And then there should be flex. That that's I think it serves the function if you want to play with friends, like in duo pre mates of two and three. That's what it should serve, in my opinion. It's like it's that secondary option if you want to play with friends. I feel as though the biggest problem with FlexQ right now is the matchmaking is very weird. It is weird, yeah. Because how do you match with someone? Like, how do you factor in solo queue rating in FlexQ? Because there's no limit, right? You can do whatever. Is that right? I'm actually not sure if there is a limit or not. I don't want to definitively say there isn't, but Comp- I, know, I know it's a hundred. At least in my experience, the problem with flex you has been the wide variety of ranks that we can be present in a given game. Like when I play flex, I have no idea what I'm going to be with. When was the last time you played flex, Curtis? Um, probably last year, and I have no idea what I'm going to get. Yeah, like I don't know if I'm going to get diamonds, masters, plats. I have no idea. If I'm a challenger player, I have no idea what I'm getting because no challenger players play flex you. So what yeah. happens if a challenger player? plays flex like does it break the system like i don't know it's definitely difficult it's a, to weird, balance, it's a very it? yeah. difficult thing to balance yeah like i feel like it has a place though i feel like there should be a place yeah, where people want right. to do it you're right like you can't just like rule it out because people do genuinely enjoy the competitive part of like having a partner and they 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 that's their they tackle the rank journey with the partner 
which is fair. And if you want to do that, you can do that. I, I, I don't think we should rule them out, you know? Although, so you're talking about multiple people, right? Because there's already is duo queue. What are you talking about? No, if they would have removed duo queue from solo queue. Okay. So that's right. In an ideal world, the way I viewed it is that there's solo. Yeah. And then there's another place for X, two, you know, two mans, three mans, four mans, et cetera. So, uh, you know, let's just we'll keep, let's keep, we'll um, not forget that. We'll maybe come back to that as okay. we find out more about what's going yep. on here. So yeah, they're saying that apparently the same the same amount of players in flex, but wait, what the the seven the it's just dying overall, just declining health. It says, what does that mean? Um, there's a seven minute on average queue time for three person parties, and match quality two division two to four division discrepancies between teams. Two to four divisions have diverged significantly. The, the ironic thing is that the total population ranked flex remains healthy, but the pre-made distribution and makeup of that population has shifted to a point where it's difficult to make matches at a quality bar we'd like. Okay, right. so they're talking about yeah, that. Yeah, because when you get mixed match, if you've got like three people, it gets complicated. It gets very complicated. They say the root cause of this is the high number of three-person parties that want to play together. Right. With not enough ones and twos to fill them out as their ah. side. So yeah, so three parties are hard to fill right, because that people makes sense. aren't queuing up as one and two. Yeah just solo or you know with someone else mm. this can cause those matchmaking envelopes to expand to a point where queue times and quality expectations cannot reconcile that makes sense so to combat this what they're investigating this is the spicy part mm. solo only mode So they talk about here, in the past when we saw this, we attempted to resolve these issues by merging both queues together dynamically. That was a dynamic queue, which was disastrous, yeah, right? Disastrous. We hated that. That was in season, what, seven, eight? And that's basically where... Wait, did they... So they got rid of solo queue, duo queue originally. It was just dynamic queue, wasn't it? Was that what it works? Are you talking about dynamic queue in terms of before they removed... Because it, it's always been solo duo, right? It has, right. So then why, why was the big fuss about Dynamic Cube? Why is that different to just Flex now? Dynamic Cube. I don't know what Dynamic Cube is. I can't is, remember. Actually. Yeah. I remember we would, no one liked it though. Let's Google it. You look it up. I'll look it up while you continue to read. All right. So they're investigating this solo only mode. In order to match player intent and provide the healthiest competitive individual queue possible, we're reevaluating our take on solo slash duo and exploring a world where solo players play in solo queue only and pre-mates play in ranked flex or organized five modes. Okay, so I found an article here. Yep. Um, okay, so Dynamic Queue introduced at the start of 2016 lets players queue play ranked in a group of any size. Previously, players could only compete on the ranked ladder as a solo or duo, with this, or you know, que queuing with a single friend, which maintained a certain level of competitive integrity as a team. Um, blah 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 blah. League of Legends, of course, is a team game, so it's understandable why Riot would want to move in that direction. But the change undermined the ability of the ladder to accurately judge the skill level of competitors. Even lower skill players want accurate. Oh, I think the dynamic queue affected your normal queue rank as well. I think that's what people were angry about. Well, it said here, while we heard some comments suggesting otherwise, it's never been a goal for us to make League more casual. We believe League is for hardcore gamers and mistakenly believe we could offer real competition to all parties with the same experience. Our long-term vision is to be a global sport and our goal remains the same, to offer competitive experiences for all players from solo competition to focused competitive team play. That was a quote from Riot, apparently. Um, 
So yeah, I actually don't really remember too much about it. Yeah. Do you? That's twenty start of twenty sixteen. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't really playing ranked back then, right? That was more. Yes, like, Diewolves. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so so, 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 so they're exploring, they're investigating. Because well, we mentioned this, we have mentioned on this one of the previous BBC episode yeah. the importance of. I mean, I still to this day. Well, we were happy when Solo Duo was removed from Duo Q was removed Master from Plus. Master Plus. One of the best decisions they've ever made. Absolutely actually. amazing decision. Yeah. Funnily enough, you know, I still to this day I don't. It doesn't make sense to me that Duo is a thing. Duo is a thing. It still doesn't make sense to me. Like, I feel like if they were to make League now, like, like, okay, like when they made League initially, back in, you know, 2010, whatever it was, you know, I think they had like an idea. It was more of a team game. So like in their mind, they didn't know how much of a solo-esque journey Mm. it Mm. would be to improve at the game. Mm. I feel like they they were quite, understandably, they were quite naive about the game. They didn't know what they were developing, really. I mean, they had an idea of a MOBA from Dota and like how it would kind of interact. But I think they were obviously biased or influenced, not biased, influenced from Dota. Other games that had a lot of comms and Dota's, I would say Dota is definitely one of those games that probably influenced them massively and Horn and stuff like that. Um, whereas I think drawing in those sorts of games, like you play in party all the time in Dota. Dota you did, didn't you? Yeah, when we first started playing, it was just parties, Dota's is parties yeah. all the time. And I feel as though they probably would have got influenced by that and said, oh, let's just put them together, solo duo. It makes more sense. You play with a friend, you know, duo. But I think if they were to kind of, knowing what they know now, I don't think if they had the chance to really like wipe it clean and redo the rank system, I don't think they would have a duo system. Like mm-hmm. it would be very completely separate from solo. The, the thing is, is <clears throat> I, I think it, it really, really skews the experience. I think the duo queue experience it's a completely different experience to the solo queue experience. Like it's, I don't view it as actually the same game yeah, in many ways. They're two different games. Yeah. It's like a different mode. I view it as like you're playing COD and there's like team deathmatch and there's like, you know, free for all, whatever it might be. There's di- different modes. It's a completely different mode itself. Um, and like I said, I think there's room for both, but I, I don't think you can conflate the two. And, and I, and I, and I do agree because if you actually think about it, right, what are you trying to get out of the, like the rank system, the currently in its in its at its purest form? What you're trying to do is you're trying to get players accurately matched with their level of play, with their champions, with the system. You're trying to align the MMR, the skill, the rank. It's all meant to be synced. To, I mean, they're the three things: the MMR, the rank, and the level of play. They should ideally, over a large sample of games, give you an accurate representation of where that player is. When you in, when you put duo into this system, when you've got other players who are playing solo, when you're playing duo, I don't feel like that's a fair. Well, they've said. Remember, it went ten percent either way. Mm. It was really, really way more vast. In terms well, we've of we've well, we've said this many times when it comes to duo. The wins when you can make it work really well. Like in my opinion, it's it's only there's no it's no gray area. It's either shit and making you worse, and you're actually playing worse as you are. That's right. Yeah, and aggravating each other, and you know, compensating for each other, or you you've actually worked together for an extended period of time. You work well, your champions sync well, and it's just like there's an maybe an intuitive level of quote unquote I hate using synergy, but there's an intuitive like you're inherently aligned about the game. That's what synergy is. All synergy is is or um you know when you guys fit well together, say if you were in a duo partner, your views of the game are aligned. That's all it is. 
you 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 see the say there's a skirmish. Both of you see that skirmish a very similar way. You see a dragon fight. Both of you see the dragon fight a very similar way. The more you play with a duo partner over an extended period of time, if you have a good quality relationship with that person, theoretically you're gonna become progressively more aligned. But we know how easily that can go to shit yep. out the window. I hear the moment you were just talking, Gerdos, all I hear is fairyland, yeah. fairyland. I mean, how many joys do you actually know that success I, I will always run? say this. In terms of people that are serious about improvement, I've never, ever, 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 ever seen people get better from playing with Joe no. individually. But they can have a lot of success. They can you have can. success. You, can. you see joys that dominate. You, there are duos that dominate. Okay, sure. Like, but long term, they will term, go back down. No, but when they duo, they don't, they're not duoing to get better. No, when getting, they win, just like they're playing to win KLP yeah. temporarily, yeah. right? That's why it's so good for boosting and stuff like that. Yeah. You just duo and then you just mid jungle duo. Yeah. We see it all the time. Um, back even last season, before there was Duoku in Challenger, the there was the Chinese duo, Lissandra Kindred, Lissandra Kindred duo, and they would do the same strategy. And yeah. you know, individually, each of them weren't as good as they looked, but their strategy worked. Mm. Which you know, it, again, that makes you question the integrity of the system. So that's the key thing, competitive integrity. And that's what competitive they, integrity. Yeah. Competitive, and, and, I think that Duoku removes competitive integrity in the, the ladder, the main yes, ladder. Yes, it lowers it lowers competitive integrity in the ladder, definitely. Yeah. Or confu- I would say it, 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 it adds a lot of confusion, I would say. Um, but the draft is a whole other story. Like I've got, we've got criticism. You remember we've had criticism in the past on draft where dodging and the whole... Um, like we've got criticisms about the draft in terms of like knowing the names of people and your teammates and pick order. I, I, I'm not saying it's perfect. There's stuff there as well, but I think yeah, duo is definitely something that is a quick fix in my opinion. It's a it's a twenty percenter. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a twenty percenter that mm-hmm. needs to be fixed. Well, because people a lot of a lot of people are upset about this. Okay, so let's try and get it from yeah. their perspective. Yeah. Um. So just for some points, talking about. Uh, why they think this might be good and why they're looking to investigate okay. it is um, on paper, the system health and quality indicators look really good. For example, in solo only queue, these are some dot points. We would expect an even further decrease in autofill and secondary rates. Yep. Makes sense. Queue times could de- decrease up to 5% for 99.9% of players. Excellent. So why would that be? That would be because well, the duo queue, it's harder to match duo. Yeah, the system's is more complicated. Yeah. You're making it more simple. Yeah. Win rate advantages due to team disparities would vanish completely. So that's Huge. that 10% that's they that talked 10%, about. That's that 10%, which makes yep. a lot of sense. Boosting would be eradicated. That's not true, but it would, it would, it would make boosting harder. It would be somewhat. I mean, like lower ELO boost, they're all solo though, aren't they? I don't really know much about the current I don't know ecosystem of boosting. Either. But it would definitely make it harder, especially boosting from D4 to Master. Yeah. That journey would be definitely harder. That would harder. be diff- more difficult, yeah. Because, I mean, theoretically, if you're going to smurf through dumb, you'd have to be like a challenger Grandmaster player yeah. to, really, to, really, to quickly get through To quickly there. get from D4 to Master, you'd have to be a, at least a like, challenger You can't player. be 200 LP and quickly get from no, D4. No, you wouldn't that, be quick. That takes hard. That takes a long time still. I mean, yeah. It depends on their champ, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, we would expect between team and within team MMR for 99% of players to be within one division's rank of each other during peak that's hours. That's massive, that's, that's isn't so it? That's so good. That's really, really good. So those are the key th- okay. benefits that they're looking at. Do they at. talk about the disadvantages? No, things? they don't. Then they talk about uh, ranked flex. So okay. let's, again, yeah, let's well, touch yeah. on solo. So why are people upset about this? Let's, so, let's try and empathize with the average player who enjoys 
Yeah. Joku. Okay, well, the first... I've seen a funny... Uh, was I think I saw Kitty tweet this, who's been on mm. our podcast before. She said, mm. this will ruin e-dating <laughs> in le- in, as League of Legends, you know? I mean, that's a very small... I mean, <laughs> I, don't I don't want to say it's a small problem, but... <laughs> I, don't, I don't think League is a, is a good... Is a, is a, it's a bonding experience. It's a bonding, it's a dating experience. <laughs> I guess it is. Uh, yeah, I, you know when you go to the you go you know you, you do an activity with with, yeah. with a girl for the first time you go to the movies you play mini golf you, you know, play Joku, league yeah Joku yeah <laughs> it's 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 obviously looking to take her out to gone. a cafe or something no screw that you just Joku so yep. there you go that's a, maybe event a downside okay. people looking for love they're yep. they're not going to find yeah, because the, the guy the you know that's the narrative right there's the high relo dude comes in to save the day yeah and, you know that's the narrative. Um which is, you know, not to come across sexist, but that's the narrative that's pushed, right? Yep. Um, uh, so, yeah, so what else? Okay, so, so like, so I actually saw an interesting upset. tweet. Yeah. It was, it was something like this. It was like, yep. I am really upset about the the uh, duo changes. I love duoing, but but he, he made an interesting point. Caveat, I'm a casual player. Okay. So, I think we need to distinguish here between people who view League in a very casual sense. And this goes into a more underlying fundamental problem about, about solo queue nathan we believe solo queue is it's a competitive environment that is not for everyone mm. and i think one of the big uh narratives that currently exist in league is um they don't push the difficulty of solo queue on the general population because they want people to play the game right yeah they want people to get sucked into the rank system because i mean again the more people are addicted to the game right the more people are going to spend money play yep. more that sort of thing right yep. but if they said it from the from the get-go look you have two paths right now. Imagine like you're playing like a, like a like a game, and there's extreme difficulty, and then there's easy, and it says at the start if you want this sort of league experience and you're this sort of player, you should go down this path. If you want to go down this path, you're this sort of player. You go down the extreme path. There's easy and extreme. The ranked solo queue, the solo queue actual ranked journey. You're going down an extreme path. This is, in my opinion, a hardcore gamer's journey. That's right. If you, it, it is not a casual gamer's journey. But people, and and I'm not saying this is the player's fault. I would say this is actually more on Riot's side. They're pushing the narrative that Solo Q or Jura Q is a casual experience for the large majority of the population, right? But no, it's not. There should be normal games, ARAMs. You know, maybe even flex queue potentially. The mastery system. The thing. mastery system. And they're talking about adding that extra challenge, like extra the quests things. and all that shit. Yeah. Like champ levels and all that stuff. There's all that stuff. That's for you. Earth, all that shit. And then there's ranked solo queue. That's what it should be. There's the 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 craftsman and then the casual. But the problem is with a lot of players, Nathan. Again, there's two narratives going on. Number one, they believe that ranked is for everyone and for casual players as well. Like they want to autopilot with a beer after work and play some solo queue with a mate, right? Yeah. Let's get on there, Dale. Let's get on there. <laughs> Come on after work. Let's meet you at 4 p.m. We're going to grind it out, right? But the other one is that Duoku makes it easier, right? That's the that's the narrative. Duoku makes the system easier because you got one less troll. You got one less inter. You got one less AFKR. Yep. But they don't understand the consequences behind Duoku-ing. Mm. From many, I mean, let's break this down. We spoke just, I think it's important we reiterate the dangers of, of Juoku. We know matchmaking makes it much more difficult because yep. you're versing another Juoku. Yep. So if you're not actively coming in with a strategy with your duo, like, you know, whether you've got like a specific bot lane duo, a mid jungle duo, like, if you're not coming in with a specific strategy, you could come against 
you know, a bot lane that have this very specific trait, like a, what are they, you know, those cheesy bot lanes, like a Pantheon Talia bot lane. They yep. can just rail you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think you always versus duos. Sometimes it's like you have a duo and you have three people that are like way lower. That's the discrepancy. Right, so and then five people that are yeah, all... Yeah, so they have either higher solo MMR, yeah, so you're versing yeah. better quality opponents yeah. across the board, or you're versing another duo. Either yeah. or, it's a, it's more of a challenge, right? Yeah. Unless you're, you've got to be extremely confident in your duo yeah. to make up for it, right? Yeah. And people complain if they're the duo. Oh, my... You know, look at these other three noobs. But yeah, that's the that's way the, the way system works. works. Yeah. Like, you've got to carry... Like even though, and that that it pushes the it actually pushes the character yeah, the, narrative, in, doesn't it? Even it does, more, yeah. Like it's us versus them every single time. The one v nine mentality, which is potentially even more. We've we've covered the danger. That's of very that dangerous. Before. Yeah. And I would also say we know from a long term perspective, duo queuing it, it it lowers the amount of responsibility you can take for mistakes, right? And you can conflate mistakes between the two of you. So your jungle. Um, might say something in comms like, you know, come here, come here, but you don't want that. And then in the review, you die. Well, you're not going to take responsibility for that. You're going to blame that guy and then he's going to blame you. It's who's responsible, who who takes responsibility for what? What do you take responsibility for and what do you not? Is it your decision or were you influenced by him? If it's only you, there is no scapegoat. It is only you. You're the only one that can make that decision, right? So there's the two, they're the two main problems, right? There's the, to rear on my side, there's the, all the, the the dangers of duo that are completely unknown, and then there's the narrative that duo makes the the solo queue the whole experience easier. Yep, which we we both know not true. Yeah, I mean I I've said this before, the the improvement process in league, the process, all that, it's a very private journey, and, and I'm not sharing. I, I hate the, the 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 thought of sharing that with someone else, and that's why I hate a champions queue. I mean, in the moment of the game, I think after game you can have like you know people that you know what salt and MI is right. You know, yeah. they review with with yeah. each other, get to know each other, get yeah. their problems right. Yeah. But in the game itself, I really respect. It's a very private journey, you know. Like, you know, once I've entered the game and I've lost the game, I don't want to have to talk to someone. I don't want to have to explain that to someone no, else. No, it's just like okay, bam, lost the game for my team. Here we go. Let's just you know try and make the best decision and just close it out. I actually tuned game. into a stream. So I don't go on Twitch all that much at all. It was a Sunday yesterday, and um, and there's a there's a, a a content creator on YouTube that um, I came aware of that comments on some of my videos, and and she makes like R I think she's like an Ari one trick in NA. She streams, and I got a note. I saw I was on Twitter. And she it was like a notification says she's streaming. Right, so I clicked on this stream. Can't remember her name exactly, and I tuned in. It's out of interest. I'm like. Oh, she's actually doing. She's platinum, right? She was plat. She was plat three, I think, plat four, and she was doing. And immediately, um, I tuned it. It was like they just lost a game, right? And she's, I think, an Ari one trick. And her duo said, um, oh, "I just feel like. Do you think we should dodge when you don't get Ari?" Yeah. Like this, and I and I, I just this was in front of two hundred viewers, yeah, right? And yeah. I'm I'm like now like cringing like i'm thinking fuck me like this guy does he even know what he's saying like this guy he's obviously maybe not the most socially adept dude mm. he doesn't know that maybe and this girl's feeling really awkward like she's like she's on camera right yeah. like she's she's like trying to maybe suck it up and not say anything no she's like nah she's not actually i think she just didn't reply and she said oh, i just hate the guy the duo said oh, i just hate versing Ari. i think that champion's op like he said all these things incidentally i don't think he, he didn't have bad intentions but he's obviously feeling pressure to want to win as well. And if she doesn't get Ari, 
their chances of winning. chances of winning. Lot. And he said that. Our chances of winning are way loose. So do you think we should just dodge when you don't get Ari? But she's now feeling very insecure about her own gameplay, obviously, and thinking, well, like... Am I just a one trick? Am I just... Well, I mean, just in general, you're just questioning your ability. Yeah. And I think these conversations, even though they're very, they're very passive aggressive, yeah. And in we've no, seen this time and time again. People aren't good with conflict. So what actually happens is that you get pent up anger, pent up frustration, pent up, um, just ugh, it's like it's all inside, built up, built up, and then all it takes this gets built up over a long period of time. If you're joining with the same guy, same person over an extended period of time, all it takes is now that one snarky comment in the game, you just flip, and then they just never draw again. They just go and burn through another joy partner. Yep. And we just see this time and time and time and time again. It's very rare that you ever see like a long, long-term joy partner where Never there's no seen. conflict. Yeah. And I just stumbled. This was the first experience. I just tuned in. That was the first conversation this I saw. This is a duo. This is what it looks this like. Is, this is what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I just found that really fascinating. That's interesting. Finance. And if that person watches the podcast, there's no flame. And that was my interpretation of the events. Uh, but like I said, I'm just anti-duo. Anti yeah. So I think overall, I mean, you know, everyone would know that we're super competitive about let, competitive let's, integrity. Let's, again, we need to steel man the other side, Nathan. Yeah. Right. So again, maybe, maybe there's an argument to be made that a duo could like ease, you could ease someone into the solo queue experience. Maybe again, maybe someone who's like relatively newish and like you have someone to, to go, like tackle that journey with you. Like imagine you're at school and you have a mate. You're in a you know, 17-year-old kid, 16-year-old kid. You're both new to ranked league. And like, oh, why don't we just play it together? We'll try and figure it out together. Have a good like relationship. And they're just trying to problem solve. There's an argument to be made that maybe, you know, they could benefit from Joku because they're experiencing the same things. And again, I'm just trying to spitball here. I mean, I, I want to I mean, I'll tell you the interesting thing about that, Curtis, is that, I mean, we went from normal games straight into ranked and got, you know, we got pretty good pretty quick. Yeah. That's because we spent so much time in normals. Like, isn't that what should, normal games should be? Yeah. Look at, let's look at someone like Faker, for example, his story. Yeah. He played a lot of norms. Rank one MMR in normal games. Yeah. Metric went to rank, went to League of Legends and then went rank one in the rank system there. Yeah. There is some overlap there. There is you know? overlap. You're playing is. the same game. If you're just dominating normal games, you're probably ready for ranks. You know, there's another narrative, Nathan, that I think we need to touch on here, which is, it's like fun. As in like, I, I get this all the time in my DMs. I had a DM from a guy yesterday saying, Curtis, like, sometimes I feel like it's just not fun. Like the, the rank journey. Yeah, just absolutely. And I just want to address that. Like, yeah. yeah, you're spot on. It isn't sunshine and rainbows no. at every single point in time. No. The fun, like, I just don't like that word. Like fun. I want to replace fun from now on with just fulfillment and mm. and what gives you satis what's satisfying to you, what drives you. Like fun, in my opinion, is a short term thing. It's a short term game. Like watching an episode of Game of Thrones is fun. You know, um, you know, having a beer or whatever it is it, it, like fun. Yep. In the sh it's a short term. Fun is like a, I, whenever I hear the word fun, I think. Short-term enjoyment, short-term satisfaction, right? Fun cannot be the driving force in the long run in league specifically. When everything, anything is hard, if you're doing anything that's hard... It's, well, the fun isn't part of it. The that's fun... If I'm going to the gym and I'm shaking on a rep and I'm, I'm literally worried that like I'm literally going to snap, like... Well, gym is a great example though, Nathan. That's... That's not fun, but that's fulfilling after because you're like, fuck, I just did that. Like another, you know, you said today, another day in the gym done. You another, know? That is... 
the only there's actually no fun part of it really <laughs> no, the waking no. up going there walking there catching the tram walking back doing the whole showering it's a lot of effort but you're right it's fulfilling it's the exact same thing in league replace fun with fulfillment what do you find fulfilling is it the champ mastery element of the rank journey is it the the uh, like learning specific parts of the game is it the the just the climb you just love the climb and the process you just love that the, everyone is fulfilled different ways but it you got to switch that narrative like it's not fun in life i actually think that anything worth doing that you actually think back on if you think of like the greatest moments of your your life a lot of the time it's actually things that were weren't difficult. fun were probably difficult, difficult. yeah, yeah. Some things that I went through a lot of shit to get done. You know, like I think about me getting good at World of Warcraft for the first time. Like there was so many times I was stuck at like 1900 MMR and that was just brutal and I was getting flames and my team said, that was not fun. But I was so, it was like, I want to get to like 2500 Gladiator MMR because then that's like, uh, that's when I'll be satisfied, right? Um, and then you just work for that. And it's just like a journey. And, and that journey, it's like not fun when you're in it. It's but miserable. Then after, you're like, but then you're like, after, that, it's what, like that, that was awesome to do that. That was so cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I just think that like, because that's one of the biggest feedbacks. We get. I just have more fun doing. I mean, look Ugh. at look at all those games, the fads that come around. You know, like uh, you know that game like Among Us and stuff. Like, no one like sort of plays it. I think it's sort of and like, like that. Other Lost Ark and all these new games that come out. Yeah, they're yeah. they're fun. PUBG. But, but people don't stick around. They don't guys. stick. They don't stay with it. Yeah, because it's not satisfying over the long no, run. It's just not a challenging enough. And that's where that's why I think the rank system in League and of Legends. And fun has is, a place in League. It's just on not in ranked. No, you can have the same amount of fun in normals, arguably. Because what's the difference? You don't really care about winning. Like yeah, normals is fine. If you play with four people, you play like a Malphite, Dine, a Wombo combo. Yeah, fun. That's fun. That's fun. Yeah. You know, sure. I, yeah, I just think that like, you got to understand the context of fun. Like, w- what is the medium in which you're trying to have fun in? Like, there's many, many ways you could be having more fun in your life outside of solo queue. If you're playing solo queue for fun, get out. It's not for you. You shouldn't be here. And again, that's where it's distorted. And that's why I say all the time, people think that they're entitled to fun because they play video games. Like apparently video games is sort of like an outlet of fun thing, but League is not that. It's not the game. No, solo queue. It shouldn't be solo queue. Solo queue. Solo queue shouldn't be like that. Yeah, that's correct. Solo queue is not that. Yes. League, there is. And it looks like they're, they're trying to introduce other things. But even enjoyment is different to fun. Like you can get satisfaction and fulfillment and, and enjoy your champion. That's different in my I want to make that distinction. Like you gotta enjoy your champion. Right? Yeah. You gotta you genuinely have to enjoy your champion. Like yeah. you can't be miserable playing your champion. No. You gotta play champs you love. Yeah. Correct? That's very different to fun as well. Like I can play, you know, Pike mid and like a normal game and, you know, probably have a little bit of fun, but I don't love that champion. Like, that's not like my baby that I want to like develop champ mastery over a metric ton of games. Again, another clear distinction to make. I think people get so caught up in that fun narrative. So that's a duo queue thing. I think that's uh, people are going to use that for the duo. Yeah, I think that's the main argument. I think that's what it yep. is. So the next thing they talk about here is flex. Yep. And they say about flex, uh, this is what the things they want to look for with flex. Uh, in addition, we would like to see the following for our ranked flex queue an increase in queue population, which might happen if duo queue is gone. You know, that might be more incentivized people to go to flex. Okay. They want to see drastic improvements to match quality. They want to see a significant decrease in queue times for parties of three. Which would make sense. If duos go into flex, it actually makes a lot of sense because yeah. you would have the parties of three, which apparently, according to them, is common. Yep. Then more duos, which would help the get the party, party of five. Three. Yeah. 
increase in overall match quality and competitiveness. So they actually want to make ranked flex more competitive. Right. It's interesting. And increased opportunity for grouped organized play. All that said, we absolutely want to be confident that our duo population, which is fairly significant in size, can still find a competitive environment before making any large changes to the current systems. This means reinvesting in ranked flex queue integrity with our anti-cheat team and finding a natural way for solo play to connect with ranked flex clash. Anti-what? Cheat? Yeah, I don't know what that means. Weird. But that's great. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, everything that I hear so far, incredible. Love it. Absolutely incredible. I'm so happy to be playing a game made by Riot Games. Yeah, the developers are definitely I love good. Riot. We do love Riot. We love Riot. We have a very good relationship with Riot. Yeah. And there's our right, Jimmy. We got Jimmy from Riot in the other corner That's watching right. us right now. He's yep. got he's got a little white boy. He's got a little board clipboard, and he's just ticking all the boxes. Yeah. Every good thing we say about Riot, we get a raise. That's tick, right. Tick tick tick. Or he's sitting there. Jimmy's with a hey, gun. Jimmy. He's a gun behind. He's got a gun there. <laughs> you know. It's like, Come on, guys. Here we go. Held hostage. <laughs> Uh, that's about it for the post. Uh, they're talking about further expanding progression again, the the challenges. So again, I think that's adding on to something with their current system about the mastery and the right. loot chests and all that sort of stuff. Right. And then they were also talking about reevaluating our Q portfolio, adding stuff to maybe other game modes, um, ranked queues for like ARAM or Earth or something. That's cool. I know a lot of people do take ARAMs quite seriously. Yeah. There's like ARAM drafts and stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, why not? That's interesting. Why not? All right, so a good flow-on topic uh, from, you know, you talking about the... um, Solo queue not being fun, but it's like rewarding to get to a rank because, you know, you put in that work and effort, you know, same as like the gym analogy we always use. Uh, There was a great post on Twitter by Ali C. Wulu. So he's like, he got really famous. He's like, did all the leaks in the off season and stuff um, for the LEC. Um, and he said, fun fact, before being Wulu, I tried to be a semi-pro league player. I gave myself a six-month deadline to reach Master ELO EU West with plan to get Grandmaster in 10 months. I failed and peaked Diamond 1. Uh, now I'm a pro league reporter, so now he's like a reporter and stuff. I'm glad I tried because I learned a lot about how to improve. Interesting. And then he said here, if you're an aspiring pro player, I think that it's important to have plans, objectives, even in shorter term, and ideally have other projects on the side. I also studied, but also not care about those telling you that you can't do it. Uh, I wouldn't work in esports if I did. So yeah, so that's the key line there. So he's, he's glad he tried, even though he failed. He's mm. glad he tried because he learned a lot about how to improve. Mm. You know, that's just going that's back to, yeah. you know, you know, league's a great tool. It's a fantastic tool. I mean, I feel like that we don't actually learn again in school growing up. You don't, unless you played sports at a higher level, which most of us, you know, are not well, going to. Well, again, like, uh, I think not everyone has to want to go pro, right? That's not, I don't, that's not the way I interpret the post. I think it's more, you know, if you have a goal, you know, even if it's not really anything, right? Anything, just Some, the pursuit of the goal itself is the most important thing. Mm. And that seems to be a common trend, actually, in the BBC. What we, we talk, and even in our reviews, I always say, even if you don't know the answer, trying to, like, figure out the answer, you're going to go a long way. Like, if you can come to a review and say, Curtis, look, I looked at this. I, I don't really know what the answer is. I need your help. But if I can see what they've thought and how they've thought about it and, like, 
you've already thought you're only you're 80 percent of the way you're there. pretty far yeah you're pretty you'll be pretty close and yep. then that's where you get the most learning yep and i think that's yeah with league you spot on when you when you really try and do anything hard like with league it's, it's a it pushes you to your limits you're, you're really forced to figure out a lot about yourself and how to learn and how to figure out shit it's so interesting as well nathan what i've noticed is that this growth mindset it, it that league forces upon you because you do have to have a growth mindset for the average player to improve, right? If you're not relying on talent, you've got to have a growth mindset to, to get to a high ELO. It, it, your, my, my question then becomes whenever I do anything, let's, let's get into the review. Yep. Right. Like think about that. Like we, today we're recording at the gym, like my form. Yep. And but when you're chilling, I'm just watching my form and then like comparing that with other people. And like, that's just my default. Like I do something I review it because you want to get better. I want to get better at it. How do I get better at it? I don't just do it blindly. I probably look at it and then compare it with other people and like get people to look at that and get better at it. Like I have like, I'm trying to always think about what's my process to get better at this. Like, what do I need to do? And that's something that's like permeated in my life that without even kind of subconsciously really, like I never would have done that when I was younger. It's either I just rock up and then hope I get better at it. And if I don't, I give up. And if I, (laughs) if I'm good at it, then I might stick at it. Which is pretty interesting, isn't it? It's just like a default response now of mine with anything. I just think it's fascinating, which is, I think, the main point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, once you have the belief that you can actually get good at things with with process and effort, I think it really unlocks the world. Well, the know? world's your oyster, yeah, definitely. I actually had someone, I should, probably should read it out. Um, this guy left the MLA, but I think it's a really good feel-good story. I'm not going to say his name. Yep. I'm going to read out his story. I think it's a nice little segue here. Excellent. Because it's, it's interesting. Someone leaving the MLA. I get. I, we, we talk about this. We give people the tools to That's leave. Right. Yes. Like we're actually setting people up. To leave. To leave in a way. Yep. Here's all the review tools. This is the way you think about the game. This is how you improve. Bam. See you later. Off, off to the world you go. Yeah, spot on. So essentially this guy, you know, he was very unaware heading into the MLA. Like he, he, he didn't really have levels of self-awareness that he really needed to thrive. And he, he kind of used league as a bit of like a form of escape in a way. Very common. But he, but he wasn't really aware of it. That's the thing. Like the MLA and the BBC it helped him become more aware. So I'm going to read out parts of this. It's a, it's a bit of a long one, but I'll just read out the key parts. Um... So essentially, um, he was an addict with a big problem for years when it came to league. It consumed his time, his thoughts, his relationships, his health, just about everything it could during the time he played. I was a person that I didn't like, nor he was. He didn't really like himself when he was playing the game at all. He was toxic at times, said things he would never say to people in real life. Um, and he said, I'd, I'd never, he says, I did it because the game just brought out the absolute worst in me. I had a really troublesome childhood in a lot of ways and I used League to escape and then it became my world where the worst parts of me resided. Like any addiction, drugs or alcohol, etc., it can be healthy or controlled, but once you go down that overindulgent path of consumption, it becomes bitter and tainted with all the things you're running from. League isn't a mechanical game in my opinion. I think it's a psychological one that rewards you for more emotional control and understanding how to navigate those things, which I didn't have at the time. I didn't have, he didn't have the ability to control that stuff when he was 23 he got um he'd been going through mdd major depressive disorder for a few years at this point of his life he was in a really tough spot he tried to commit suicide and thought it was the only option available to me left because nothing in his life was working out his his relationships were failing low income no job things were crashing down on all fronts i decided that 
Um, after that incident, I was done being in the place, that place and would do whatever it took to be happy. I started going to therapy, learning psychology in my own time as much as possible. I've studied everything from personality disorders, the most basic concepts of psychology, depression itself, genetics, trauma, just about anything I get my hands on looking for an answer about how to fix my life. Things started to get better, but I hadn't fixed my addiction yet or even realized that I had an addiction. It wasn't until I joined the MLA I could realize it and actually fix it. I watched your content, enjoyed the podcast a lot. I needed you guys, I think, more than anything to help me move forward in my life. I joined the MLA, started doing the process, and I hadn't been toxic for some time in game and really following the mentor you guys preach. This opened my eyes up to a lot of things, mainly that I didn't care to play league anymore. It allowed me the space to think clear and pull away from my addiction and realize about how fucked up my life was in areas because of it. I'm not blaming league entirely either because it's on me and no one else had that as bad as it was. No one else that, okay, I don't know what that means, but essentially league was the drug of his choice. And I'm a guy with ADHD and we make a bad pairing without knowledge of moderation. Yeah. We know ADHD people are getting addicted to things real easily. Yeah. And he said, this process opened my eyes and all the topics on the podcast especially really helped me realize this. I've quit since then. I've quit smoking cigarettes. I'm performing much better at work. My mind is clearer. I'm being a regular person again, doing more than sitting at home on my computer depressed because I'm not doing anything else. I'm forming new good relationships, thinking about how to use my talent for writing and have motivation to do so and just all around improving my life. I've come a really far away in my life and I'm proud of where I'm going because I know that I, I won't continue to self-sabotage my opportunities. I'm ste stepping out of my comfort zone and embracing challenge, something I learned from you. The BBC and the MLA isn't League of Legends coaching. It's life coaching. It's like therapy in a way. So it's like emotional. It's definitely a deep message. <sighs> it's, <clears throat> it's life coaching. And uh, you guys do more than you even realize at times. <clears throat> I want to th sincerely thank you and Nathan for opening my eyes and the MLA community for being so great. You're doing a great service for the league community and I hope more and more people realize that. I'm going to still continue to watch your podcast because like I said, it's more than league, even if that's the main topic. Thank you for helping me realize the issue I had. And providing the service you do because without it, I'd be still spamming games in an emotional turmoil, not knowing what to do and unconfident to challenge or face challenge. You taught me resilience. What's his name? Uh, his name's Austin. Austin. Love it. I mean, that, I mean, I, I get blown away, you know, like, you know, hearing those messages and us that, you know, especially hearing how much we impact people. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. It's, it's a... It's a game. I'm just a legal legend. I just teach people how to get better at jungling. You know, you teach people how to get better in the mid lane. And this is sometimes the result, you know. I mean, you know, some people I think maybe not be able to relate to it because people, you know, but, you know, league is default an escape. You know, that's, that's for a lot what, of people. Yeah. I mean, that's what it was for you and I. I think for both well. of us, yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Right. So, uh, you know, I think that. That once people realize that, you know, it, it can be a tool and it can be, you know, something that was negative and, you know, t it sounds like he turned it positive. Think about that. He quit. Like, th that was the process. League is an escape. Yep. And then, you know, start to become and use League as a tool to become more self-aware. Realizes an, ad an addiction throughout start teachings. And then we helped him think in a critical way, which allowed him to step away from the game. Think about that. We've, the most value we've helped this guy with is by quitting the game. Yep. That's amazing. Think about that. 
that's some powerful shit. I love that it. That changed his life. Yep. Literally changed his life. God damn it, dude. And this there is, bro, but this is the thing. And I'm so, I guess so angry is like, yeah. People don't take League seriously. No. When there's a, there's, there's a huge amount of people out there using League as an escape. It's fucking toxic at times. It if is. you don't have, like he said, he nailed it. If you overindulge in anything, smoking, alcohol, whatever it might be, League is just another one of those. It's a drug. Solicute is a drug. Can LP be, system, right? It's a, it's a fucking drug for a lot of people. Yeah, dr- inject it straight in. And we're trying to get it across. It can ruin people's life, but it can also be used to strengthen and better people's lives. As long as your relationship with the game is better, you know, right, just I, some powerful shit, man. It's going to take years, man. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, people don't take the game. They don't view the game. You know, we got a small audience of the BBC, you know, mm. we're just chipping away. You know, we have our good relationship. And, and with that's, the game. A, that's a philosophy. We can have one person. That's right. I'm, I'm done. That's it, we done. Can, we can retire. Dude. That's it. That's our, this is our last episode of the podcast. <laughs> that's it. We've, we helped Austin done. Thanks guys for watching. We'll see ya. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> I mean, that's it, you know, that's, that, that's more, that's it. That's end game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like who would have known Curtis us jumping into this? this is yeah. No idea. No idea. All right. Um, moving on here. Another tweet. God, I'm just a Twitter addict or something. What's going on here, Curtis? I just sit there on Twitter all day. Uh, this is a really good tweet by someone called Sahil Bloom. I don't really I know. know Sahil. Oh, you know Sahil? Yeah, I know Sahil. Um, he used to be in the MLA. I believe. No, I don't think so. Really? This guy works for ESPN, I think. Oh, I don't know. Oh, sorry. I Another thought there's Sahil. a guy in the thing named Sahil. Sorry. So this is a tweet that went viral. Oh, sorry. Okay. Got you. I thought it was a guy from the MLA. Yeah, no, okay. That's, all right. Uh, I mean, that would have been amazing if it was. It's like, <laughs> holy shit, this guy's famous and he's in the MLA. Cool. I got you. And then it's a thread. Oh, again, I'll link the thread in the YouTube description if you want to read it. I just want to read out a couple of them. So it's a thread about the difference between amateurs and professionals. Okay. And a couple of highlights here. I mean, we can discuss them if you want, but I think they're pretty self-explanatory, but I want to read them, share them with our community to get yourself... Like, And again, an amateur in my eyes is someone who's addicted to the game or plays 15 games a day. Yeah, I want to step away from pro being... You paid... We're not talking about paid to play the game, right? A, that, pro. a professional just, mindset. Professional mindset. Anything. Yes, that's in what anything. it is. It doesn't yeah. mean you're a challenger. It doesn't mean you're a pro no. player, nothing. It's about the way you approach something, right? Some of these will highlight that. Okay. Um, so I love one here. Uh, amateurs fear incompetence. Professionals own it. When faced with their own incompetence, the amateur flails wildly in an attempt to distract from the obvious gap. The professional enlists support to cover the incompetence and repositions the game board to avoid its exposure. Amateurs fear failure. Professionals embrace it. Our greatest moments of growth often stem directly from our greatest failures. Professionals don't accept failure as inevitable, but they certainly don't fear it either. Remember, you will fail, embrace it, fail smart and fast. Amateurs are flashy. Professionals are relentless. You know, flashy players, Curtis, we've seen, Mm. you know, you have a lot of them join the MLA, you Mm. know, they're the mechanics people, but we always say boring is sexy. Yep. Many people are able to produce bursts of energy. Few are able to produce consistent, steady flows day in and day out. It reminds me of that quote from Magnus Carlsen. Remember that Magnus Carlsen, he made that, that tweet one day and was like, is it enjoy or find the beauty in repetition? 
Remember that? Remember that one? Find the find the beauty in repetition. It. I love it. Uh, amateurs are patient with actions and impatient with results. Mm. Wait, so say them one again. So amateurs are patient with actions. Okay. And impatient with results. Mm, I agree with that. That's a good one. Professionals are impatient with actions and mm. patient with results. Interesting. Let's break that one down. How mm. do you interpret that one, Nathan? Yeah, that's an interesting one. So amateurs being patient. Patient with actions and impatient with results. results. And then the professionals are the impatient Im- with actions, impatient. the day-to-day and stuff. But patient with results. I guess that kind of makes sense. Like the way I'm envision- Is that intensity? I mean, they just want to get into it. Like they're excited. Mm. Like, well, they know how much there is to do. I'm assuming. Listen, they know how much is out there. You know, they know how much. Because I feel like the more you understand about the game, the more you know you don't, like the more you know, the more you know how much you don't know. Right? Maybe yep. that's what that's maybe a way of interpreting yeah. it because like it's like oh my god there's so many things I need to work on like, let's go let's, let's go, go let's, let's, let's go. go but they're but patient they, but they with understand the long term game the long the long term game yeah you got it because you gotta you gotta have hustle yeah but you can't rush it's like be quick but don't hurry you mm. gotta be quick but you can't hurry mm. I love that one be quick but don't hurry that's such a nice little quote that we one. talk about that a lot yeah it's an interesting one that's a good one isn't it uh, what's another one I had a couple of others here. Uh, I mean, this is one we talk about all the time. Amateurs enter with a hundred mediocre moves. Professionals enter with one perfect move. That's all about champ mastery. It's like the Bruce Lee kick. Yep. Kick one. That's And then he literally says the quote here, I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks once, but I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. This is, look, let's break this one down. This okay. is an interesting This one, one. can go both ways. Yeah, it can go both ways. Okay. Like, I feel like it's a double-edged sword. Yep. <sighs> Because we do talk a lot about champion mastery and how effective... Because champion mastery is an extremely effective way yes. for learning and climbing, both. Well, pretty much everyone... I always say in the Soul 2, everyone who's focused on champion mastery, one or two champs, those are the only people that have ever climbed in, in my program. I don't know if you had the same experience. Yeah, I mean, if someone doesn't have champion mastery, yeah, you don't climb. No. Yeah, it's actually in every ELO bracket, actually. Yeah. No matter how high ELO yeah. the client is, actually. Um. Yeah, and when I think about the people that got the best results, it was always with like two champs, which is actually, yeah, incredibly accurate. But at the same time, I think we got to think about the medium because I agree that being like a specialist is, is, has insane strengths for learning and, you know, allowing you to expand your mental stack and think about more in the game because you don't need to think about your, your champion. You have a very clear reference point in game. But I feel like that only works up until a point. A very high point. A very, very high point. But, you know, and this probably isn't even relevant for the majority of the population, but I I do feel like when you start to get to challenger, like low challenger, like high GM, diversity in play becomes a factor. It does become a factor. Like, I don't fear that one trick in my games, personally. Like, there's like those Zillion one tricks, like, or Lux one tricks or whatever, like... They're good. They're very, very good at their champs, but I'm not scared. They're not all rounded players. They're not all around there. They're very, lin- they're, they're very linear a yeah. lot of the time. Well, can't you think about it that each skill you practice each skill and that becomes you an, an all round player? I fear those players that 
can play a lot of things at the high, high elos more so than the one tricks, I would say. Okay. Just, I feel like they have a more holistic view of the game. Yep. Like, I think it's fair. I mean, definitely. So, I mean, but it's a complicated game. It, it, it is a complicated game, but I, you know, I think for the majority, large majority of the population, doing that Bruce Lee quote is is spot on. I just get the highest high. It, it reminds me of the conversation we had at the BBC book club. Um, Felipe, right? Felipe, um, MLA member. Mm. He does, practices karate, and he practices one specific stance. I think it was called snake stance. And he gets him a lot of success. He went to nationals or something in the div to the second division. And he has a lot of success. But whenever he went up to versus div one opponents, he would get smashed because he only knows one stance and they know that they will know how to beat that stance. And then you need to swap properly into another stance, but being a one trick in his stance in karate, it was, it was a Kung Fu or karate. One of them. Yeah. And he, it gets, it gets you an extremely like high, high level but when you're versing masters, you get a, you get an, you get annihilated. That's what he found. Yeah, which is really interesting, isn't it? Yep. Again, in other mediums, we saw it in in, in martial arts. Yep. And it's, it's interesting to think about MMA, though. We know a little bit about. It. We're not experts in MMA, but you think about Khabib, Khabib Nurmagomedov, whatever his name. I don't know his last name. Yeah. But he was like a specialist, right? In, yeah. in the ground game, but he could stand up. Yeah, he right? could. I he mean, could stand up. You got to be pretty well rounded. Didn't he beat Conor McGregor standing up? His striking was really yeah. good. Yeah, so he's an all round dude. I mean, you got to be all round. So I'm saying, at the highest level, you can't be. Yeah, you get. You could probably get to the UFC, probably being a one trick, right? I'm assuming, mm. but you wouldn't climb the ranks in the UFC without it. I'm assuming. Think about any great UFC. Who are people that were were one tricks? Uh, well, people that don't really exist anymore. I think the games evolved. Like, you Ron, Ronda yeah. Rousey was the obviously wrestler, right? Yep, Connor. Connor at the start was striking. predominantly striking, right? But then yep. he started getting. He had to improve his ground game. Yeah, I don't think we've ever seen a good ground game from Connor. No. <laughs> well, he usually doesn't let it get to that point. No. Yeah, but anyway, just an interesting to kind of cross mediums there. Uh, yeah, so going back to... I just want to highlight, just remembered this one. The amateurs fearing competence, but professionals own it. That's going to our saying of embrace the suck. Like, just just love it's sucking okay to be bad legends. You know, it's okay to just make you know, a mistake. If you're coming in and you're silver, you're, you know, you, people will call you an incompetent player. You know, people literally might call you that. But, you know, professionals own it. You know, like think about a pro. You, you think of it as a pro as like a perfect person, but no. This is a professional mindset. I feel like that's more, mindset. that's directly tied to growth mindset. Yes. If everything is a challenge that you can tackle and you can break down and learn from, then no, no matter what happens, a failure is just an opportunity to learn, essentially. Amateurs attribute success to skill and failure to luck. Professionals understand the role of both. The professional recognizes the role of skill and luck in every outcome. My last two block, I should have, I should have been zero two. I got lucky. Mm. I say that all the time. Actually, I just got lucky. I, I, I generally win. I, I win probably one out of five games. It's just luck. I have the better team. Yeah. But you're still doing your job somewhat though. It goes on to say here, they focus on the controllable factors. They create an environment where luck is more likely to strike. Yeah. But like I, I the way when I, when I say that, I mean like I make a mistake that I know that in another game that would lose me the game. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to win the game. Like I wouldn't be able yeah. to win the game. Like yeah. I got my, my team compensated for my errors. You could make the game worse. Yeah, I could make the game worse. That's what I, I'm good at doing that. I'm good at making the game worse. Yeah. How do you do that? Like, like you know how it says here, it says professionals uh, create more luck. 
I will probably lose that game still. Right. Because I'll make the game worse. Right. You won't lose gracefully. No. And do your job. No. Right. Yeah. I feel like that has been a weakness of yours. That's an amateur mindset of mine. But I feel like you, you, you're the ext- you're you're, ex- you're extreme professional in some areas though. I feel like you're an extreme professional in the early game. Like yeah. you take responsibility for every little thing. Yeah. But then it kind of just drops off a little bit. If I start making mistakes. Yeah. Because your standards are so high for yourself. Something I'm still working on today. Um, but it is hard to do because in mid game the game is more out of your control but yeah you still got to find a way to do your job amateurs love the prize professionals love the process amateurs so say that again amateurs love the prize professionals love the process so that's yep. a, you know yep. LP yep. you know they love the love LP that. but you know they don't like the process yep. Um, you'll never make it to the viewer at the summit if the only thing motivating you to keep climbing. Uh, the hunt has to be just as exciting as the mill at the end. Professionals truly fall in love with the process. And we'll do one more here. Um, I mean, there's a lot in this thread. It's a fantastic thread. Again, mm. it went viral. Mm. Amateurs make it look effortful. Professionals make it look effortless. You have to put in more effort to make something appear effortless. Professionals know that elegant performances are the result of a large volume of gritty practice. Small things become big things. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of that one though. Okay. Like I don't I don't hide that I try really hard in my games. Like I wanna I want I want people to I mean I can see how it might look effortless, but like I, I try to make it look as effortful as possible. Yep. Like I don't I don't I don't ever Think of well, it I like guess, that. I guess, but if you didn't try, if someone looked from the outside, mm. it would look effortless. I, I mean, guess. challenger players look effortless. They really do. I mean, there's so many things you're not seeing. You look at a pro player, I mean, that's why... Yeah, it looks all smooth, yeah. That's why it's very easy to be like, you know, we call Reddit analysts and stuff because we can sit there and critique their play, but... When you're in the thick of it. When you're in the thick yeah, of it, it's, hard. it's fucking hard, right? Yeah. Um, like, a, a good, a good well-played team fight looks effortless, but there's it, a lot that goes into that. Something that I've noticed, 610... Um, he so Sixten, you know, I, I mentioned him a lot in MLA, but one of your students, BBC, sorry, yeah, he. I've learned from him, and Sixten is very good at giving compliments to people that, like, sometimes I feel like I become when we do a lot of coaching, right? It's very easy to lo- detach from something that's difficult to do. So, for example, like, say there's a team fight and. You know, the Zin Zhao, say you're coaching a Zin Zhao, and the Zin Zhao, like, kind of, he doesn't do anything sexy, but he hits his W, goes on the right target, pops hole at the right time, yeah. and peels back. Like, kind of does, it's like maybe four basic things. Sometimes I feel like we don't, I, I'm not, actually, I don't want to speak for you. For me, I don't, I don't compliment people enough for doing the basic things well. Whereas 610 does, when 610, because sometimes he comes in, he does, like, helps me with coaching and stuff. And he'll call me and say, man, that was actually a really nice team fight. Like, you actually played that really well. Even though the person didn't do anything sexy, but he hit his skill shots, he didn't, ta- he positioned well, did the damage, and got out. Yep. But I think that's a really good skill of his, and something I actually learned from him, doing the basic things in you a team fight. a hard coach, Curtis. Yeah, sometimes I feel like I'm too hard. Like the Gordon Ramsay of League of Legends <laughs> coaching there. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't say I'm hard, but I don't give compliments enough, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. And, and he, he, I learned from him, because doing those basic things in a team fight, it's actually hard, mm. like consistently. If you're positioning well, targeting the right people, you have good situational awareness, it looks easy from the outside, it looks really basic. But when you're in the thick of that fight, 
it's so easy to mess up you know and i think yep. in general that's something that's not spoken about enough we just kind of oh yeah that was what you know that that was good that was good that was good but no that was actually really nice like keep it up like i think about it a lot i do that a lot in my coaching so yeah you shouldn't have spoken I, I def- for me curtis right well, I didn't someone does you, a yeah. full clear like well it's like fuck you've like improved a lot of this is excellent right clear. you know this is good this is a fantastic early game you know absolutely smurf in here you know like oh you know if, if it's if it's true yeah. it's true but it's yeah. something i definitely need to do more the weakness of my coaching but i think that's for people who aren't in our coaching platforms give yourself a pat on the back by just doing a solid team fight like if you did your job great that's something you need to replicate just a little side note there all right, we'll jump into mailbag. Okay. Away we go. Jingle, jingle, jingle song. All right, first question here is from Evelyn. I don't know if that's the actual name or the champion. Evelyn. Uh... I can't stand being bad at games. Okay. Hey, Curtis and Nathan, thank you for the podcast. Every week I can look towards a good couple hours every Monday. Arvo, when studying is going slow. Is this person, is this person Australian? Or are they, they mocking? Arvo. Arvo. Or are they mocking our, our heritage? Accent. I found myself in a bit of a bad spot when it comes to my league experience, and I'm unsure what to do. I come from a background of high-level CSGO, but league is my first MOBA, and I started playing back in July last year. Oh, this is a Curtis question. This is last year. He started. So he started last year. Yeah. So he's a high-level CSGO player, okay. and then he started. This is his first ever MOBA last year. I started off as an AD slash support main because it was the open role in my friend group. But I switched to mid lane this season as I feel like impacting the map more is more of my game style. I basically one trick rise. I've heard you say he's bad for lower elos before Curtis, but I don't care. I have too much fun with him to put it down. Yeah, I love that. By yeah, the way. it's good. Just just be like yep. Nathan Curtis. I don't give a fuck yep. what champions are hard. I love I'm the be, champ. I'm gonna I'm do going it. Going for it. Yep. My issue is that I'm really shit. I mean, bronze two basically hard stuck at the moment, constantly going between twenty fifty LP. And not making any progress. I find myself getting really upset when I lose. Not because of my teammates throwing away games or because I'm in the lost 30% of games. But when I'm in that 40% of group of games that I can influence and failing to pull my team over the line. Due to either a mechanical misplay or doing something wrong. I feel like the main root of my issue is that I'm too scared to make mistakes. And instead of trying to make the game winning play, I try to avoid making the game losing one. And it comes back to bite me in the ass. Coming from being at such a high level in CS to being at such a low level in league is really difficult. And I was wondering if you guys have any tips on how I can get out of my own head and start playing to win instead of playing not to lose. Thanks again. appreciate you answering my question about Oriana uh, when I DM'd you on Discord, Curtis. That really helped a lot. Okay. The first thing is, is... Um, he says, I feel like the main root of my issues is that I'm too scared to make mistakes. And he doesn't like in game when he plays. If you're in bronze, you do play the loser's game. That's, that's an invisible narrative. That's incorrect. That means you're not playing the loser's game well enough, I would say. What's missing there, Curtis? What's uh, going Rise, on there? Rise, Rise throws a spanner in the works. Does it really? It okay. really does. It just does. Yeah. So let's, let, I'm going to lay it out for you as simply right. as I possibly can. Here we go. This will be a quick one. Hopefully he's familiar with the loser's game and the winner's game. Right? Generally, one of the common things Nathan and I say... I don't think he is, because he's saying that that's losing. Okay. 
So what's the loser's game and the winner's game, Curtis? Really quickly, loser's game means you're playing a type of game where you're simply trying to capitalize on the enemy mistakes. Whereas the winner's game means you're the one trying to like go above and beyond and make game-winning plays. Our theory is that you playing the loser's game is going to get you with good quality chain mastery at least a D4. Yeah. Right? Around D4. Yep. Um, that, so that's literally so making good no aggressive plays, basically. I mean, obviously making aggressive yeah. plays when it's well, a free play. Just doing your job. Like, just doing your job. Basic champ fundamentals. Don't do anything fancy. Only take high percentage plays. Yep. Bam. Yes, and you're going to miss potential opportunities, but it doesn't matter because the enemy are going to throw themselves at you. They're going to make mistakes. There's going to be errors, and you're going to be there to capitalize on it as long as you're farming well, you're being efficient, you're playing in the corners, your, your power spikes, your, champ, your champion, what they want to do. But where this kind of gets a little bit more complicated is that Ryze is a champion that he doesn't scale. Like, okay, it's a misconception that Ryze scales because, I mean, he can and he can't. Let's, uh, it's, Ryze is a very weird champ because Ryze, he can scale in certain games, but in other games he's dog shit because he's very low range. So yeah. when he's versing a lot of dive, he can just die really, really easily. Like if you're versing like a Camille and a Jarvan or like a Malphite and like, these champions are like an Amumu. Champions are just going to go in and dive on top of you. It can feel very miserable. You can get shit on very quickly. Um, whereas on the flip side, if you're versing low threat, you can kind of do whatever you want, get in the sideline, do whatever you want. But now we're in bronze, right? So there's going to be a lot of team fights. Ryze actually isn't the best team fighter. Because again, you're, you're low range. You have to get in range to do damage. Now with the Fimble Winter as an item, usually building that second item, and you can build resistance boots and things like that, you are a lot more tanky, which is actually why I believe Ryze is stronger than he usually is, which will make it easier for you. But given you're playing Ryze, you do have to kind of dabble in the winner's game a little bit by trying to find ways to use your ult. Okay. Because you think about it, in a straight 5v5, you, 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 you have three abilities. You have three abilities. <laughs> You've got no damage ability, right? Yeah. You have to find a way to use your R. So I'm gonna, I'll, what I'm going to do is I think, I, I think let's, Nathan, let's break down. I'll talk about a bit, a bit of a basic rise strategy, and then we should talk about how he should do his reviews, very simply put, okay? Basic rise. Farm, not interact with your opponent early game. We're talking farm, like start, like tier, you want to basically not interact, farm, 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 get to about uh, maybe it's like a Sapphire Crystal Tier 1 Boots or, um, you know, something like that. Just very, very, ba like 750 gold reset, something like that. And, and never fillable. So something like that. Then you come back, you starting to, you, you start to have a decent amount of wave click because you've got a few points in your queue. And then you can just shove when you're level six, you know, E, e the cannon, um, QEQ, boom, one shot the wave and just move. Shove, move, tempo reset. Shove, move, tempo reset. Reset over and over again because Rise, his biggest strength as a champion is that your wave clear is so good. So you can just reset whenever you want. So if I was a Rise player, even at really low elo, I'll just be thinking, how can I stay healthy and just reset, not interact with my opponent? Rise isn't played for the 1v1. You're purely played to farm really well and then to shove and then roam. Now, in bronze and silver and gold, people's awareness and warding is basically non-existent. So if you get priority and you're somewhat aware of what's happening in the side lane, chances are you're probably going to see an opportunity to roam somewhere. That would be my, that would be my game plan. Not mm -hmm. interact with the opponent, yep. shove and move. That's basically it. Um, in terms of reviews, deaths. Just look at your deaths. Yep. I think that's it, honestly. Just look, yep. why are you dying? How are you dying? That is it. And this is why Nathan, his journey is going to be fucked because 
doing this process, he's gonna like he's gonna have a lot of painful experiences, like trying to make plays on the side lane. Like he doesn't know. He's obviously not gonna know what a good gank looks like. He's not gonna know wave states. Like it's gonna be a shit show. But I think that like you seem like a bit of a switched on dude. I would start to just look at your deaths and maybe key roams. Why are they working? Why are they not working? When you're dying, why are you dying? Observe it. Would you expect a bronze to rise player to be have high CS numbers? I think if you if you don't have decent CS with rise, there's no point playing the champ. Okay, well then that's something I'll be looking at as yeah, well. Yeah, CS is literally really hitting minion, last hitting minions. Yeah, that's a great one. Is he last hitting? If you are you last, are you just missing basic minions? Yeah, yeah. that's one of the. First and do you know how to reset on a cannon wave? Reset on a cannon wave. So that's when the cannon wave you see it coming out of your base, yep. or is it? Yep, when, when it's at, coming out of your base. So there's so it comes you know, every third wave. The enemy team, the enemy mid laner can't push it in fast enough, right? So that's why it's a good opportunity to reset because you'll be able to catch it. Is that the mindset? Yeah. So the mindset, yep, because cannons take a while to, to shove. So they won't be able to shove the wave, and you, you can, can get just advantage. get a free reset. And by the time you come back, the cannon will be under your tower, so yeah. you can up all the tower damage. Yeah. You won't miss any farm. Yeah. Um. I would go over my fundamentals series. There's yep. a lot of great stuff on the fundamentals on my YouTube. Um, well, so, Curtis, how do we help him? Because he said he's pissed off. He's angry. Well, it's the expectations, man. Yeah, it's all you gotta, expectations. You gotta, dude, you just... You I don't give... It. Okay, let's just put it really bluntly. Now. Okay. We don't give a flying fuck how good you were <laughs> at CSGO. Yeah. You can be the, one of the best counter players in the world. I couldn't care less. Yeah. I was one of the best in Australia, and I sucked at league. Curtis was a... Yeah, Curtis sucked at league. Right? I was an yeah. old school 1.6 player with a huge ego. Yeah. And I was, I, I literally had to stare at my fingers on the keyboard to put four in the, because I didn't know how to use QWER. It was that you bad. You played bots for Played bots and then normals. Like, Leak is is a very, very different game to 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 Counter-Strike. Yeah, I feel like for me, World of Warcraft is a bit more of an overlap. More overlap. Yeah. The way you hold your keys and stuff, yeah. the way your hands on the keyboard, and the way like you see CC think, chains and stuff. The way stuff you direct or... your attention as well. Yeah, abilities. It's all like, yeah. you're thinking in a very similar way. Cooldowns and mana and HP. Yeah. You're thinking in a very similar way, aren't you? Yeah, Counter-Strike none of that, eh? It's crazy. It's actually hugely it's different. It's very big. Di- it's a different, a completely different game. And and even for a lot of Counter-Strike players, they a lot of them, the good ones, have low sensitivity. So that's a huge problem. If you have low sensitivity in league, it's really difficult. That is because in WoW, everything's fast, you know, Every, at least from my knowledge, you're the WoW expert, but everything's pretty fast. sensitivity is nothing you think about. Like you're smashing your keyboard, dude. So you're with your oh, macros right. and you have like a thousand fucking key bindings. Right. Whereas in, in Counter-Strike, people have slow sensitivity. They have to like move their mouse from side to side on the, yeah. on the mouse pad, which doesn't work in league. Um, but remember, dude, there's so much shit you have to learn about the game. Like, you're probably still figuring out what all the champs Champions do and how do, they yeah. interact and how much damage they do, when they're strong, when they're weak. Like, the first year and a half, year, first year should be purely, I'm in kindergarten. Mm. Like, I'm I'm learning how to write for the first time. I'm learning numbers one to ten. Like, that should be your mentality. Drop your ego completely. You're, you're a nobody. You, you deserve nothing. Yeah. Um, type thing. That has to be your mentality, as brutal as it sounds. You're a noob. Learn that. Be learn to have fun. That, that's that's like again. I keep we say this all the time. It's fun to be a noob in a way. It's satisfying because it's like I have no expectations. I'm just a new player here in a new game. No one knows me. I'm just gonna start from scratch and learn it and have a blast. It should be fun. You're you're really and and I'm gonna really the last thing I want to rail him here a little bit. Okay. Whether you're iron whether you're bronze or silver or gold four it's all 
that's all in my mind iron to gold four is the same thing like whether you're bronze four or bronze one or silver four or silver one or iron two or iron three no one cares you're a beginner if you're in any of those ranks you're a straight beginner you're a noob right so get it out of your head like like the the only the first achievement you're ever really the first meaningful achievement you're ever going to have is getting gold four so like get it out of your head that going from bronze to silver it's it's you shouldn't even be looking at the rank at all. Like, just play. Yeah, he was saying something between going bets between 20 Bouncing and 50 Bouncing between 50 LP. What the hell? Do not even be thinking about that, man. Come on. That's... Okay, I'll give you a Counter-Strike analogy. That's like... I mean, that's like probably you, you know, killing two people for the first time. Like, you're on Dust 2, camp in the corner and killing two people. And then being stoked, oh yeah, and then like you still lose the round. It's like just like there's something that's really like it's one round or something, or it's just like some really really minuscule thing. It's just not important. Like, like just just put it in perspective. It's just you're at the you're a beginner. If you learn, you get better at the game. The rank will come. That's right. The way it works. All right. Next question is from Bruno. So Bruno's a salty member. Title of this email is Collegiate Teams and Pro Aspiration. Hi, Nathan and Curtis. Hope you're having a wonderful day. My question is, what are your thoughts about Collegiate Teams? I came to the US to study and at the same time pursue my dream of becoming a pro. I'm really, I'm working really hard with Nathan and Joey, doing my beer best of three, uh, blocks of three, sorry, and reviewing my games. And I was wondering if getting into my university league team would help achieve my dream. I'm about to be 19 years old. I've been playing league since around the end of season nine. So a little bit more than two years. I peaked plat one last season. Would you recommend me joining the team or try hard in solo queue? Well, the first thing talking about like college and scholarships, I mean, it's just crazy to me that that's a thing for League of Legends. You know, Step a guy one. in my MLA recently yeah. got a college scholarship, yeah. college for $35,000. Because of League of Legends. League of Legends. Crazy. $35,000 scholarship a year. Yeah, so it's just bamboozles me. I mean, I know scholarship is a big How deal. How incredible in, is that? In America. That's, that's fucking incredible. Well, Curtis, it's not incredible for us because our education is basically free in Australia. <laughs> so. We're talking about uni. That's not. It is, Curtis. I have a huge hex debt. Yeah, I know, but in, in not League of Legends, in America, do you know the way it works, right? You have to take out a loan and you have to pay it up front. Really? Yeah, Curtis, that's why. Don't you know about the education? I don't really know. All I know is that it's expensive. But how's it work it's, exactly? It, so that's it. That's what you have to. It's about student loans. That's what you have to pay it off like now. Yeah, like ASAP. Yeah. Whereas in Australia, you can you just get a debt and you yeah, you pay, pay off it in off like twenty thirty years. You pay it off. No, in America, I, I'm I'm certain you don't have to pay it off like that. Well, Curtis, people complain about the education. Because I heard on a Jocko Willing podcast, yeah, about someone that was still paying off their. Like, if you do, the, the one thing I heard in America is if you declare bankruptcy. And you have nothing. Mm. They still, you still can't get out of your your debt, your hex, your your, your college debt. Yeah. Like, so hex debt and their debt's two different things. Guys. Right. Okay. Right. Our our debt in Australia. But is don't say different. it's nothing. It's dude. If I got a, if I didn't have to pay for my university, I would have to pay this huge debt. I mean, it's still amazing, right? Just because you pay it now, it's like long term. <laughs> face you're gonna face the pain at some point, right? But yes, it's probably more meaningful in America. It is. Big time, Curtis. America complains about the education system. We don't. Dude. Okay. Our education system is the second dude, coming people, of people. No, people complain about universities okay, all the time in Australia because apparently it's all online. We're on a huge tangent here. <laughs> Screw that conversation. 
All right. So yeah. So firstly, that's in, that's cool. But yeah, I mean, if you if you want to go pro, Bruno, yes, joining a college team will not get you there. End of story. I mean, it, it's about your solo queue oh. rank. That's just as simple as it is. Uh, it will be a cool experience. I mean, it depends how yeah, serious. Yeah, that's the thing. It'll be a cool it's experience. A cool experience. You know? yeah. Like, like I reckon the experience of working with people in real life, like that's, that's so awesome. valuable yeah. because it's in person. The learning you would get from interpersonal skills and dealing with like tough situations. Like I've I've got people, heaps of people in the MLA that are in college teams, and they talk to me about their situations. Like I would love that. Like I I miss that sort of thing. Like person to person problem solving, conflict, people getting angry, like trying to like really understand and empathize with people. Like that's so cool. But yes, you're going to decrease your chances of ever going pro by doing that because you're focusing on things that aren't important to your climb and improvement as an individual. Yeah. So it's for a example, I have uh, yeah someone who's in a college team in Soltu, and he's coming to me with these problems. He's he's um, mid laner used to be like diamond, yeah, and now he's like uh, struggling in gold, and they're just getting smashed by like these other diamond yeah. teams and stuff. And it's like the fact that he's coming to that problem, he's stressed, he's trying to help that. He's person, trying to help that player. You got to help yourself before you can help others. You know, so yep. You know that's not helping him. He's not going to. You know, again, it's a cool experience and all that sort of stuff, and it's cool that he's helping him, but. You've got to be selfish as fuck, a solo queue player, be purely focused on your individual fundamentals. That's how you become a professional League of Legends player in the current day and age. Yep. So it really depends on what his goal is. If you're thinking about like personal development and like having a really interesting experience, yep. college playing for your team would be great. If you're focusing more on being a pro, then, you know, solo queue is the way to go. All right, our last question we'll do here is another one from Soul 2. I'm just stealing the show here today, Curtis. As per usual. As per usual. Uh, where is it? See if I can actually find it. I have no control over this show anymore. Here we go. All right, so this one is from John. Uh, greetings, Nathan and Coach. Uh, so the title is in was Johnny Two Trick. Johnny. Short time listener, long time fan. Time is relative. Short and juicy question. And my question is th- thus. How does one cope with the shenanigans that is solo queue and staying consistent on the path? I struggle with sticking to a main and bounce between around 10 different champions. I've recently committed to the Salty Way and renamed myself to Johnny Two Tricks. Doro Nathan will get into reviews soon as life is opening up for me in League. This game is just so damn fun and I'm torn between viewing it from different champions and the joy of climbing and then you add in the solo queue contract and shenanigans. How do you deal with it? Nathan, I know you dealt with champion pool slash identity issues last season. What are some of the best lessons you've learned that you can share with us? I don't even want to go into the flavor of the month. Hecarim and Diana is in now. Gwen's in my games. Thank you for what you do. And I uh, love this game so much, even though my life is so chaotic. Good question. That's a great question, Nathan. You're the master of this one. So, um, what are the principles, Nathan? What are the principles that you've created? The principles that I've created. That guide you to stick to your pool. How do you do it? Stick to my champion pool. What's the driving force? Um, the driving force is, for my champions, is 
a lot. Because you haven't adapted to the meta at all. No, I've literally You just stayed. said yeah. Zinzal, Rek'Sai. Javan. Which is interesting because there sort of is... Zinzal's somewhat meta. And Javan but you were playing it before it was meta, was, right? Yeah. You were just doing it no matter what. I'm sort what. of a, maybe a little bit lucky in a way here. But I would still be playing it regardless, right? But you didn't pick up Hecarim. No. You didn't pick up Gwen. You nope. didn't pick up Diana. No. Nope. Any of those champs? Nope. Um, so my mindset is... What is the highest rank... I can achieve with these champs and what does perfect League of Legends looks like on these champs and that's what I'm pursuing and I've accepted reality this is the thing in the last episode this is some potential mental blocks is I feel like I'm capped with say my Rek'Sai at 400 LP on the Oceanic server which is top 100 so um, but I, I I think I can push that further I don't think I'm even close to where I can be on Rek'Sai and by level of discipline in my gameplay and that's it and, I, and the funny thing is is that you know especially for you um, John I think your gold um, you know, if you're playing a champion that even sucks in the meta, if you perfect this champion, champion mastery, see how high you can go. I guarantee you, you can at least get to, um, let's say, um, here's a Rengar main. Um, um, you, let's say, I mean, there's Rengar one tricks up to like master grandmaster, right? Like, yeah, definitely. Challenger, dude. Challenger. Yeah. Yeah. You know, little people like think scrub dude and stuff. So, just, just again, that mindset. How can I, just what's beautiful League of Legends looks like this? How can I make zero mistakes? And I just get obsessed with that, and I just delusional convince myself that this champ is good, even in bad games. And the funny thing is, I always the funniest thing is, is that the games that look unwinnable, I win those games the fastest. Like literally full AD teams, I don't even think about anymore. I play Rexo with full AD, and I win those games super quick against like a fucking Tom Kench support. I was versing Corporal the other day. Um, he was playing time coach support. As you had a full AD comp, and I had a full AD comp, and we fucking won the game. You know, in like 20, 24 minutes. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. But I think one thing we both take for granted, Nathan, is that we know what's on the back end of switching champions. That's the thing. Yeah, I did that. Like we've had the painful yeah, experiences. Yeah, like that's the driving. That's force. the driving. Fact. It's like it's we know that it doesn't, it doesn't work. work. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think like I, I think John, you have two choices, right? Number one. You you create your own negative painful experience by yep. doing the Let's just keep doing this for another year. Doing the ten champ pool thing, go nowhere, fail, 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 and then you know you, you finally ha- stick to you it. Fi- and then you finally you have this negative experience that you can draw upon for the rest of your league journey, or you can take our word for it and then feel what it's like to develop mastery and all in on this journey. Like the way I view it, John is you kind of don't know what it feels like until you just do it. Like you just got to blindly kind of trust us mm. and then, and then do this whole two trick thing that you're, you're talking about. And then, um, I just send it, like just send it really and just do it. And then for a long period of time, for a long period of time. And, and then you'll feel it. Like at some point you'll be like, It'll click. Wow. Like click. I, my mental stack is so freed up. Yeah. I, I can think about like you'll win games that you never thought you'd been able to win. Like you were just talking about before you'll start to be able to think about the game so creatively. And that's where you'll start to have a lot of, again, just using the word he used here, which was quote, unquote, fun. The fun won't come from dicking around with 10 champs. It will come from getting super creative about win conditions and like figuring out how to juice your your champs' effectiveness in this game and creative ways to win and you know all this, all this stuff. That's where you have a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So you're going to have to see so two options there, John. Um, either do it now and just trust us yeah. blindly or just go for the just waste and waste, I always say piss away of- piss away a year or two yeah. and we've seen people that have pissed away a year season yep and they come back and um, 
painful. Love so, painful experiences. We're all about painful experiences. That's that's, right. that's what we need out of the shirt. Painful experiences. I mean, you look a bit weird wearing that around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it looks like you're some sort of like you people. Some you massacres. Want to, yeah, <laughs> inflict pain. <laughs> Maybe that's not one. Yeah, it's all not right. good. All right, that's the end of the episode, Curtis. Any closing remarks? Um, Clips channel still rock and rolling. Shout out to Asuria. Yep. Merch samples should be, according to Nathan, here in a week or two. So hopefully they are good quality enough for us to um, put them up. And we'll keep you guys updated. Yeah, and the book club, if you want to join, we're reading Principles. We're Ray Dalio. Ray Dalio Principles, banger. Absolute banger. Yep. We had some people that have already been influenced by the book who read it previously yeah. in our book club that we're excited yep. to hear for our discussion, our monthly discussion. That's right. That's in the Patreon. Links below. We'll see you guys on our next episode.